Good evening. Mark's his action. That's right. It's my time. Like, like Clint said, it's time for the preacher to earn his money. <laughs> it's good to have each and everyone out with us for our, our rainy evening on our Lord's Day. Uh, we have them back together for our second half of our worship service. And if you have your Bibles, be opening up with me to Acts chapter 5. We're going to look at the 32nd verse. Tonight, I want us to focus on something that is indwelling in us. We learned this morning about, uh, about the idea of access to God and the instructions that He has given us, the refuge that He offers, and peace and safety. But He offers us something even more today as children of God. Now keep in mind, this is directed to those who have given their hearts. All of us tonight have assembled and we're, well, our minds and our focus is on God. And we've given our hearts to Him, being immersed and putting His Son on. As Christ was here fulfilling his ministry, teaching about the kingdom of God, and he tells his disciples something significant. He mentions of a helper or a comforter that's coming. He tells them that something is going to be, someone actually is going to be given unto them to help them through their days that are to come. And he says, and if I, if I don't go, he ain't going to come. This, the comfort or helper isn't going to come. I must go. We all recognize that the scriptures revealed unto us that it's the Holy Spirit. Now, yes, the apostles had a, a great deal of the Holy Spirit, not to the degree that Christ had, and more than what you and I have, but they had a wonderful gift to be able to do miracles, to raise the dead, heal the sick, make the blind to see, and actually, the apostles had the authority to pass the power of the Holy Spirit on down to the next person. But that person did, was not able to, as we very well aware. But we receive a portion of that Holy Spirit today. You might say, well, what do you, what do you mean? You might not have gifts, have opportunities, no, 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 not to that degree. We have a portion of it, though. We're, this morning, we referred to peace and safety. The idea of being pleased in the eyes of God. And to have that idea of comfort. Folks, that's how we get that comfort is the Holy Spirit abiding in us. And to allow the Spirit to come into us. In John 15, 9, as we read this morning in the first half of our worship service, about keeping Christ's commands to abide in His love. Just as Christ kept His Father's commands and abided in His love. We learn here in Acts chapter 5, in verse 32, something is significant that's said, even unto this day. And we are his witnesses to these things, and so also is the Holy Spirit, whom God has given to those who obey him. There you go. We're going to talk about the Holy Spirit tonight. To be rest assured that a portion of it is abiding in you if you are faithful. And some questions have been arose and asked of myself, do you believe that you can lose your salvation? I believe that we can lose our salvation. The Bible very clearly teaches about a greater condemnation and, and uh, of being an adversary of God after you have been uh, immersed, after becoming a child of God, tasting that good grace that is given to His children and falling away. So we think very clearly. We had better think very clearly about the gift that we have from God. That is the Holy Spirit. We have a portion of that tonight. If we are faithful, we have a portion of it. 
The Bible is very clear in all in the many writings and the many references to the to the spirit of to the spirit of God or the the Holy Spirit, even the Spirit of the Lord back in the Old Testament. My mind goes back to an example of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Remember those three? As they did not succumb to that idol worship. They couldn't, they couldn't do that because they was worshiping God and God alone. So they had to be thrown into that furnace of fire according to the, uh, according to the law at that time. So the king was furious with them. Y'all remember that? He was furious in that, and he heated that furnace up an exceedingly amount of heat, that which the term exceedingly pops into our minds when we see uh, exceedingly amount of faith, exceeding amount of joy. But this was an exceedingly amount of heat. This furnace had been heating, and those mighty men that tossed Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego into that furnace perished because of getting close to the heat. So it was pretty hot in there, wasn't it? Four times hotter. That's right, four times. Is, it's an unnecessary amount, right, to, 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 to kill you. He was furious. He was mad. Y'all not going to listen to me? I'm going to teach you a lesson. So in goes Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego into this fire. That's not the end of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, as we learn in the Bible. What a wonderful lesson. Because the king asked his people, did, did we not throw three men into the furnace? Did we not? So, was, we put three men in there, right? And behold, I see four. And one of them looked like the Son of God. Do you think God took care of them? Yes. How about another example of, of God taking care of His people? How about Daniel? As he was faithful, the king says, making, making a, he was tricked, of course. Let's make a decree that only one can petition God except you, O king. And there behold, David, those folks knowing very well, they wanted David gone, right? So as David was very faithful to God, praying his three days, well, they called him. Praying to God with his open window, he wasn't hiding. He's praying to God and broke the king's decree. Well, what happened to the old Daniel? Long story short, he got thrown into the lion's den. The king didn't want to do it. The king liked Daniel. That was not the end of Daniel, was it? It was not. What about those men who tricked the king? That was their end. Not only their end, but their families as well. Of course, that's not a wonderful example of the, of the Holy Spirit taking care of us or the Holy Spirit, uh, Spirit abiding in us. But we think about God taking care of you. This Spirit that abides in you. Let's look at the other end of that spectrum of those folks who tricked the king. The outcome was death and destruction. How do you feel when you fall short? How do you, how do you feel when you let sin overcome? How do, you, how do you feel when you let the tempter overtake you? Do you feel good? As a child of God? Do you feel okay? As a Christian? Do you feel like you've done your due diligence in the eyes of Christ? Of course not. As we know that sin separates us and it makes us distraught, it makes us alone, and there we are. 
We no longer have that connection to God through Christ because we let sin enter in. I can very well affirm that we can lose our salvation. We can lose our connection to God. It don't feel that great, does it? It don't feel that great to not have that peace of mind. It doesn't feel great to know that salvation doesn't wait for you. For as Christ came into this world, He began His ministry, He was teaching about repentance. He was teaching about the actions it took to get to God. Even John the Baptist, before Christ, was teaching about repentance. He was teaching about baptism of water, something that was brand new. Remember those Jews who heard about being baptized for the remission of sins? Remember those? Remember that group of folks? Or a group of men, rather? So here they hear about this. All you got to do is go be dunked in the water and you can be washed of your sins. Let's go do it! And John the Baptist rebuked them. He rebuked them and said, Oh, no, no. That, that water's not going to affect you not. Unless you produce fruits unto repentance. That was the words of John the Baptist. So you mean to tell me we have to clean our house to allow the opportunity of the Holy Spirit to enter in? So what does it mean to obey Him? That is to obey God. Does that mean to live however you want to, however you choose, see willing and fit to live according to the world? I think we need to back up just a little bit. Well, actually, we need to move, move forward. We're not in Romans yet. We're still in Acts, but no. So, okay, keep your finger in Acts. Let's turn over to Romans chapter 8. Keep your finger there in Acts. We are going to turn right back. <clears throat> Romans chapter 8. So if we're obeying God, we made reference to that this morning in Romans chapter 8 and verse 8. I couldn't remember the verse, but I knew it was in Romans chapter 8. According to the flesh. Well, if we get a little bit of context, just because immersion exists and remission of sin exists, and you do such things, you mean to tell me I can walk according however I want to? Oh, of course not. As we read in Romans chapter 8, verse 1, there is therefore no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. That's what Paul says. What does that mean for us? What does, that, what does it mean, Paul, to, to be in Christ Jesus and not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit? It means we have a choice to make after immersion. <clears throat> It teaches us that the lives that we live after giving our heart to God, accepting His promise and obeying Him, we have to continue to obey Him as we repetitively learn in the New Testament. So as we learn in verse 8 of Romans chapter 8, So then those who are in the flesh cannot please God. Huh. Can children of God be pleasing to God? Can we do that? Can we be out there in our lives and be pleased of God? Yes, we can. Wait a minute, yeah, but, but we're still wearing flesh. We haven't entered into, into immortality. We're still mortal. We're still here and breathing. That's not what Paul's talking about. So with that mindset, with that mindset of, of not being able to please God while you're here upon this earth wearing flesh, you mean to tell me his son wasn't pleasing? Remember what Christ, well, excuse me, remember what God the Father said about his son, after baptism, immediately after he was 
immersed to that water, he sprung up and a cloud from the heavens descended like a dove and God's voice rung out. Do you remember what he said? Behold, my son, and who I am, what? Well pleased. So we can be pleasing to God while we're here upon this earth. Christ didn't need baptism for the remission of sins. He, he, didn't, he, didn't, he didn't have any sin. But you and I do. We're human beings. We're fallible. Christ had a little bit of a leg up on us. He was God. And he did not fall short in any degree. We need, a, we need an avenue and out. That was our example. For as Christ is our cornerstone, our example, the way that we should, should live, so as Christ was immersed or baptized, so as you and I today must be immersed for the remission of sin. When Christ done that, he was continuing to fulfill all righteousness. So in verse 8, we, we learn that if you're in the flesh, you cannot please God. Wait a minute. Verse 1 refers to walking according to the flesh and also according to the Spirit. One pleasing to God, one not pleasing to God. So the reason why I say this, Acts chapter 5 verse 32 says the Holy Spirit is given to those who obey God, who obey Him, Him being God. So what does it mean today to obey God? Does it mean to live however you want to? No, that's according to the flesh. So those in the flesh cannot please God. And then verse 9 of Romans chapter 8. But you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. Again, written to Christians, not to those in the world, not to those who have yet to receive Christ, though those who have yet to be immersed for the remission of sins have not done so. It's not referring to those. You are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. Again, the Spirit of God dwelling in you. All right, let's keep our bookmark there in Romans chapter 8. Let's go back to Acts chapter 5. So we are His witnesses to these things. And so also is the Holy Spirit whom God has given to those who obey Him. I hope we knew in our everyday walk of life that the Spirit of God is abiding in us. Did we know that? A little portion of the Holy Spirit running around with us. There's, there's been times, we may mention that this morning, about solitude or being by yourself. As Paul in his letter to Thessalonica, he refers to being by himself. So we left you alone. We, we stayed. We, we, we remained alone. We do realize that we're never really actually alone as, as Christians, as children of God. We're never really alone, are we? We always got a, a helper. We've always got someone to go to. We've also got a connection that the world doesn't have. Those who walk according to the flesh, they don't have this connection. Some yearn for it, but can't get to it yet. They've got to follow some explicit instructions, as you and I have well as well. Well, we should have. The reason why I should have, those instructions did not stop after immersion. Now, did it? It did it. A 
1 John 5.13 speaks of continuing. Continuing to believe in Christ. That belief is an action. That is, we don't, we don't stop. We don't stop doing the work. We don't stop putting in an effort of being a, becoming a child of God. We don't stop teaching the world. We don't stop being that example just because, oh, i got heaven waiting for me. I'm good. I'm going to sit on my hands. In doing so, you lose your avenue to heaven. You lose that justification that you have in Christ with God. The reason why I say it that way. We're going to be standing before God. And we had better be justified in Christ. We're going to be standing before our Father, giving account of the things of which we have done, whether good or bad. So let's make sure that the Spirit of God abides in us. Let's make sure we have a portion of this Holy Spirit. All right, back to Romans chapter 8. <clears throat> Verse 9, verse 10. And if Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin. But the Spirit is life because of righteousness. We have opportunity to sin. When we're here in this world, we're wearing flesh. This old body is going to lead to death and decay. And it's going to one day. But if you're in the Spirit, if your mind is focused on God, and you're abiding in Him, you're keeping Christ's commandments, and you're doing things that's pleased to God, if you're well pleased of Him, just like His Son, we do realize when we, when we try our very best, we repent of our sins, and we're on the right track, we're dealing with our sins, we're struggling against the adversary, we don't give up. We haven't given up, have we? I hope we haven't given up when it comes to battling Satan. Putting on our armor and taking the fight to Satan, if you will. That is that we draw near to God when He flees from us. He wants us back. Because we were once with Him. Ephesians 2.1, we learned that we were once dead in trespasses and sins, but now we're alive. We like to stay alive. And have no parkings, partakings of that second death. That is that lake of fire, as we learn in Revelation 21 8. There are many instances in the New Testament. <clears throat> and it, yes, go ahead, Mark. Seven times. You was thinking it was four. It was seven. I'm thinking it was, I was a, a seven number. Seven. Right. There you go. Good deal. Seven times. That was Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, Nebuchadnezzar. I couldn't remember the king, but thank you very much, Brother Mark. He was exceedingly mad, but they didn't give up. Seven times, right? And what? And the, the neat thing about the, that furnace, that fiery furnace, when they brought Shadrach, they didn't stay in there. When they brought Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego out, their hairs wasn't even singed. Their clothes didn't even smell like smoke. Do you think God will take care of his people? Most assuredly. Now that's a representation of Judgment Day. Yes, bad things are going to happen to us. They do. That was a representation. If you are faithful to God, that should have been the point of death. It should have been. But God took care of them. He had a further purpose for them. And He was showing Nebuchadnezzar His power. Those three men and see four and three men walk out. Where did the fourth one go? 
Thank you, Brother Mark. Romans chapter 8 and verse 11. But if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. Do we remember the encounter of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, with that Samaritan woman at the well, at Jacob's well? You remember what he told her? One who drinks of this water will thirst again. I will give you everlasting water. You'll never thirst. Of course, you misunderstand. But he says, this water is going to swell up into an everlasting spring. It's God's encouragement. It's His welcoming to allow His Spirit to abide in us. He doesn't force it upon us. If He forced it upon us, He's just going to save everybody. We're very well aware that that's not true. Revelation chapter 20. Oh, I just lost the verse. Let me turn there real quick. <clears throat> Revelation 20, um, the, the verse is going to pop off the page when I turn there too. <clears throat> Let my fingers do the walking here. One more page. Uh, Revelation chapter 20 and verse 15. It's referring to the second death, the lake of fire. Death and Hades was just thrown in there. The beast is in there and the false prophet is in there. It sounds like a wonderful place, does it not? Uh, no. This sounds like a place of terrifying pain and suffering, which it is. All right. And verse 15 says this. And anyone not found written in the book of life was cast in the lake of fire. So that means to tell me that not everyone is going to go into this place of tranquility and peace and happiness with this Nothing but love, no tears, no sadness, no death, no destruction. Not everyone's going to get to end up going there. Nope. Mm -mm. You might think, well, wait a minute. How do I get my name in the book of life? Well, that's having the Spirit of God abiding in you. That's how your name gets into the book of life. And on that day of judgment, as you're standing before God, if His Spirit abides in you, if Jesus, who is our life, appears, then guess what? Glory awaits us. Colossians 3, 4. What about this lake of fire? We don't, we don't talk about it enough. We don't, we don't reveal it to ourselves. The world really doesn't reveal to it to them enough. But this is a real world place. It is. It exists. It's there waiting. It says it's already there. Revelation 20, verse 10. The devil who deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone where the beast and false prophet are, and they will be tormented day and night forever. Uh, that lake of fire is already there. The Hadan world is already there. Heaven is already there. So let's make sure. And we got that Spirit of God abiding in us.
right? We want to make sure our name is written in that book of life. I'll give you, I'll give you a little bit of a break. I won't never forget. I won't never forget my first paddling in elementary school. I won't never forget it. I, it, it was a small one, but I won't ever forget it. I spoke out of turn without raising my hand. And I cannot remember the teacher, but I remember the whooping, right? I was amazed because did y'all know that they made an erasable ink? You know, you can write with a pencil and turn it over in that eraser and it rubs it off, right? I just found out that an ink pen, you can use the eraser to erase the ink. And I was amazed. I said, hey, my ink pen erases. And I got a whooping for that. Talking out of turn, didn't raise my hand and disrupted class. I got a whooping for that. I'll never forget. And I appreciate that. I learned a lesson. Don't talk about your erasable ink, right? <laughs> but, but, but something new is like, hey, I, I, I've learned something. Something can be erased. When God's name is written in our hearts, God doesn't have the eraser. Satan does. And by our help, we allow him to erase it. Does that make sense? We need to take the power away from Satan because Jesus Christ already has done that. When he went to the cross for us, Satan was defeated. Let's help him that let's help him with that defeat. Let's help him to continue to defeat Satan. By allowing the Holy Spirit to abide in us. We just read in Acts 5:32. If we obey God, He gives a portion of Himself to us. Isn't that encouraging? To know that a Heavenly Father will give a portion of Himself to us when a time of need. We make reference to it many times about in times of distress, in times of need. Who do we run to? Who are we supposed to run to? Who are we supposed to turn to? In times of uncertainty, in the times of questioning ourselves, who do we turn to? We need to turn to God. Because He's there waiting for to help us. It's, it's that, little, that little portion inside of us that says, I need my Father. I need His promises. I need His love. So therefore I'm going to share that with the world. <coughs> the reason why I say that. The necessity of the gospel to the world. Those who we come in contact with, how friendly are we with them? How short are we with them? Let's hope that we're not short. How encouraging are we for them to turn away from their sins? To encourage them to stop sinning. Stop running with the devil. Stop, <coughs> stop letting the devil be your father. Uh, Melissa and I was having a conversation the other day about an empty house. Remember the empty house in Minor Hill where the devil worshippers used to live? Remember that? Well, they have since moved on. But then my thoughts got disturbed when that statement was said, a devil worshiper. Those who are not with Christ, are they against Him? Most assuredly. So therefore, if you're God's enemy... Guess who else is God's enemy? Satan. So if we're not doing the works 
of God, who are we doing the works of? Satan. So if God is not our Father, who is our Father? The devil. So if we're not worshiping God, who are we worshiping? The devil. It's either one or the other, right? That, that thought crossed my mind the other day when, that, when, we, when we made that statement, just in casual conversation. You know, that's something to think about. Because that spirit, as we learn in Ephesians chapter 2, that spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, those folks should expect the wrath of God. They should expect that lake of fire. And if it's not being taught, if it's not being spoken about, it's not being revealed unto them as it has us through the revelation of God, how are they going to know about it? How are they going to want to run away from it? How are they going to say, I don't want to go there? Each and every one of us are tonight, those listening to this message, at one point in our lives, I don't want to go there. I want to serve a heavenly Father who will promise me everlasting life. Who promised me salvation from that fall. To save me from that lake of fire for an eternal death. Right? We serve a loving Father who welcomes us to say, You come unto me, you ain't got to worry about nothing in eternity. Yeah, hardships are going to come. Difficulties are going to come about. There's times when you're going to question yourself. There's times when you're going to question Scripture. That intentions do not come from the Father. That persuasion does not come from God. That all comes from Satan. So when we tell him, get behind thee, just as he told Peter when, he, when Jesus, whenever he told Peter, Peter said, we're not going to let you go to Jerusalem. Because Jesus just told Peter, says, I'm going into Jerusalem to be handed over to ungodly men. I'm going over to be crucified. Peter says, suffer it. No, we're not going to do that. We're not going to go in there. Don't do it. But Jesus plainly tells him, get behind me, Satan. Why did he say that? Because even to the point of death, even to the point of losing our lives here upon this earth, we need to do the will of the Father just as Jesus Christ did. Remember that garden? Remember the garden prayer? Allow this cup to be passed. Sometimes we have to drink our cup, don't we? Live in the world and amongst God, ungodly folks to be that godly representation, to show them exactly what the Holy Spirit looks like. We show that by the way that we treat one another. We show that by how we care about the lost, to encourage them to be unlost, to encourage them to be saved, turning them away from their sins. We need to remember very plainly and do not forget the Great Commission in Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 through 20. Do not forget the Great Commission. What is the Great Commission? The Great Commission is us commanded of Jesus Christ to go into the world and teach, to baptize, to observe, teach them to all things that He has taught us to observe. But he gives some encouragement to the end of that great commission. With the idea of the Holy Spirit abiding in us. And Jesus Christ is with us. He says, if we do these things, if we continue to go out into the world and preach the gospel, creating disciples, baptizing them, them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, 
and teaching them all things that he has told us to observe. What does he say? And lo, I'm with you. Right? And lo, I'm with you even to the end of the age. Amen. Amen. So with the idea of being obedient to God, keeping his commandments, abiding in his love, sometimes we fall short, don't we? Sometimes we do things that we shouldn't do. Sometimes we have that thought that, that enters into our mind that we shouldn't have. The time of repentance was then. It was then. The scriptures tell us, don't let the sun set on our wrath to God. What do you mean wrath to God? Us sinning as children, us being disobedient to a heavenly father shows him wrath. Period. When we let sin enter into our hearts, enter into our minds, we walk with Satan. When we take that short walk with him, well, guess what? We're showing God wrath. Don't let the sun set on your wrath to God. Repent of that sin. Repent of that ungodly act so as he can restore us while it's still today. Because again, tomorrow's not promised, is it? It's not. So with the idea of being obedient to a heavenly Father, letting the Holy Spirit abide in us. That's a promise that He has given us. Have you lost your connection? Have you done some things that's, that we shouldn't have done? Have we treat, treated someone that's the way Christ wouldn't have taught, that wouldn't have treated them? Have we refused our teaching? Have we slacked off in that degree? And the church is going to have to say, yes, we have. We need to be reunified. We need to be revitalized. We need to reignite our, our, our passion, or our fire, our, our dedication to God and our teaching. Because look how the world is going. It's going further and further away from God. And it's sad. For that great day is coming. Are we ready? Are we ready to rededicate our lives to God? Are we ready to repent of our sins because we're holding on to our wrath? Don't do it. Let it go. Repent of that sin and get right in the eyes of God while it's still today. Do you need to get right? Why don't we do so as we stand, as we sing the song of invitation?